Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daney. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travelled to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast would not happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, to become one of our members and get an extra big interview every month, plus loads of bonus content. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Graham Hunter, and we'll bring you joy. If you've already listened to part one, you'll know that by definition, this is part two. If you haven't, then welcome. We are the big interview. It's the Q&A for September, part two. The Q, as ever, comes from our sponsors at Bet665 and you, our socios, who joined us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. That's the place where you can tell your friends, your family, neighbours, or even just random passers-by in the street to sign up for extra big interviews and other exclusive content, including the audio versions of my often sparkling columns for ESPN FC. Now, in this uh, part two, the first thing that we have on our menu is an audio question from one of our most prominent socios, Tom Lee. Go, Tom. Hola, Graham. Tom Lee speaking. Different season, similar question, except, well, it's not so much a question as a kind of a desperate plea uh, for you to whisper sweet nothings about Atletico Madrid. At the time I'm recording this, they play tonight away at Mallorca, uh, which they ought to be able to negotiate. But even so, a bit of a mixed bag the first five games. Um, three clean sheets, some 1-0 wins, so the old dour, stubborn, grinding Atleti that we all know. But then this new dynamic beast, which likes to concede, but it likes to score loads of goals as well. Flashes of that. Uh, Griezmann out, João Felix in. Um, Costa, if he keeps his weight down, always lethal. What's the story? Uh, could this be the year that, for the first time in what, it'll be six years since they lifted La Liga, might this be their year with Barca in seemingly endless transition, with Real Madrid under pressure, etc, etc. The others falling maybe a bit short as ever. Is this the year of the uh, red and white of Atletico? Uh, your thoughts, please, senor. Thank you. Sweet nothings about Atleti. Right. Take your point about the mixed bag. Take your point that in one of my columns I wrote that uh, this looked like it might be a bountiful year um, for Cholo and Mono. 
and Atleti. Is this their year? I, I think, and I'm being completely sincere about this, Tom. I think that Atleti, and I'm recording this before the derby, which is obviously a massive risk. And if the derby tells us something extraordinarily new, then I'll re-record. But for the moment, I've got a big issue with the midfield. Number one, for all the re-sculpting of the team, I don't think Atleti have genuinely come close to not even replacing Gabby, but approaching that task. I think that the way in which Cholo has tried to doctor the width with Lamar, uh, with Correa, with Vitolo, and the way in which um, he's consistently messed Saul around to the point at which there is no, I don't think, great feeling between him and his manager, has raised the the idea that in Rodri they had the guy who potentially could have become the absolute successor to Gabby. Not as street smart, not as dark arts, but potentially as secure, as much of an access for the team, as much of a, a player who could mark the tempo with which Atleti should be playing, which part of the pitch they should be playing in. There was never a massive fallout between the two men, but Rodri and Cholo Simeone just didn't seem to click. Now, I think that was an error. I admit that when you've got Pep Guardiola, another maestro of midfield, just like Simeone was, whispering to Rodri, it isn't just about the big wages, it isn't just about the trophies you win here, you're going to learn more here, you're going to become a different footballer here. These these words must have been catnip to him. And as such, I can understand why he chose to go. But it's my opinion that Cholo probably didn't fully see the value, fully believe in Rodri. And I think that's the area where there's a major, major problem in that the defence on either side now uh, will have ups and downs during the season where Lodi or Trippier are caught out by balls in behind or are probably caught out with a spate of fouls or penalties or red cards because they, by definition, will probably have to chase back. Teams will be pinned down by Atleti quite a lot. They'll put the ball over the top. And when the fullbacks lose their form, there may be the case that um, you pay a premium for high overlapping wingbacks like Trippier and Lodi are to huge entertainment because each of them have been, you know, in the top percentile of successes for Atleti since they've been bought. Exciting to watch, patently good at their jobs, popular. Thumbs up there, Tom. I bet you agree. The centre-back situation is looks to me, okay, there's development to come. Um, in Amoso, they have to get more. They have to get the bedding in uh, process to be happening more quickly. Um, he's a very good footballer. He needs more game time. He needs to be allowed to relearn certain automatismos. It's different playing for Monoburgos and Cholo Simeone. It's different in daily training, uh, working for them, or, you know, sweating out the, the basculación, as they call it, the, the shuff, shuffling across the, the way in which Diego Simeone wants his team to be as if they were attached by silken ropes to one another, left to right, and in front of them too. It's like a big fishing net moving as one. And I'm also has to learn that, but I've got faith that they've got a very good footballer there. And up front, Joe Felix, we, I'm looking for the butts and the, Tom, and the, yeah, and, oh, I'm not sure. Because on the face of it, Atleti have a superb chance of winning the title. You and I, and, and 
I hope those listening are now focusing on what will it take? Where are the potential pitfalls? What can they, where can they tighten the screws and get things on track? And I think it's in central midfield. They don't seem to have a really clear pattern about Coquet, Saul, Thomas Partey. And in my opinion, they are one dominant footballer, dominant footballer, short of looking a really good bet for the title. Because it's it's absolutely clear that uh, Romadid are project in transition. Barcelona is an era in transition. As we speak right now, again, ahead of the derby, maybe I'll be humiliated at uh, the Wanda Metropolitano um, tomorrow night. But as we stand, weighing everything up, I have an inkling that irrespective of some of their transfer market business having been unimpressive. And despite the spate of injuries, I think Roman did have the sniff of title winners. I'm not saying stick on favourites, but there are elements there. And this is n- these are not the sweet nothings you wanted whispered in your oido, Tom. But yeah, Atleti with Morata not getting sent off in the space of eight minutes, with Costa scoring more goals because his physical shape is okay for his age and, and how he likes to live. And Joe Felix doing his thing. Vitolo probably playing more regularly, not simply coming on all the time. There are elements whereby you can say this is quite exciting. Um, the Canteranos are being used and used well. But in midfield, do they have the order? Do they have the ball winner? Do they have Coque and Partey and Saul playing at their absolute utmost and understanding their roles fully? No, I don't think so. I think that needs to be sorted out. I think the winter market, if they can find it, needs to bring a Gabby Rodri replacement, in my opinion. I'm not. I'm just not convinced that there is one at the moment within that squad. At which point, what do we say? What did we used to say in the old days, Tom? Game on. Now, another socio question. This one is from Lee Allen. Hi, Lee. Lee reminds us all that an email back in April uh, that Lee sent in about Zidane being untouchable when hired back. His question is, uh, how is Zidane under pressure barely a month in? Is this just football post-Ranieri at Leicester when nobody's safe? And if Zidane did go, would Real Madrid capitalise on the issues that Spurs take Pochettino? Series of good points. I remember around about Easter when the Zidane return was so flat, was looking as if he hadn't caught the players' uh, attention or their enthusiasm. There were legitimate questions to be asked about returns, leading players not knowing when to take a curtain call. And I don't think there's any doubt that it would have been better for Zidane to wait till the end of the season and tell Florentino Perez, I'm coming back, but in the guise of director of football, or saying to him, I am going to take over again, but not until June. He didn't do that, and um, part of the reason that he's under pressure, Lee, I think you have to find yourself. At the end of the season in eighteen nineteen was overall pretty embarrassing. And when Zidane is looked upon with huge respect and affection by the Romadid fan base in the media, but we have to face the fact, whether we agree with it or not, he's not regarded as having been a a great coach, great, all-time great record, yes. And it may just be the snootiness that is embedded in the planet Real Madrid. But you won't find many people, even those who are die-hard Madridistas, who say, oh, Zidane coached us to those three Champions Leagues. There was a feeling that he was the right man-manager, that the squad was exceptional, and that they won the title because of 
a combination of brilliance from Ramos and Cristiano Ronaldo and amazing performances by Kehler and virtuoso cameos from Modric or Cruz or Carvajal or Morata or Isco in one instance um, and Asensio in another. And therefore, I mean, Asensio against Bayern Munich in the second leg, God, who can forget that guy who we probably won't see much of this year was looking then as if he was a footballer to take Europe by storm. At any rate, Zidane's part of Zidane's problem, Lee, is that he is, and I think falsely here, regarded as not much of a coach and therefore after the weak uh, part of the season when he took over from uh, Solari and some moments this season when things frankly didn't look particularly sharp things didn't look right there is a tide of opinion where those who, who sit on the sidelines and mutter rhubarb 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 had begun had begun their their rhubarbing my opinion is that some of the players who were asleep last season have woken up a principal candidate there would probably be Tony Cruz. I think that Benzema has stepped on another level and kept himself really lean and fit, um, looking on fantastic form. And for whether it can be wholly attributed to Zidane or not, the change in James Rodriguez is fundamental. He looks to me to have learned a completely different daily lifestyle, level of fitness and attitude at Bayern Munich. Maybe all Zidane is doing is capitalising on that, but I am not one of those who would be adding to what you felt was that it's post-Ranieri at Leicester and therefore nobody's good enough. I'm, I'm not one who says, well, maybe Zidane should be moving on or any of that kind of stuff. My thoughts were that Zidane was so attached to getting Paul Pogba and Florentino Perez did, I think, so little to try and appease his manager by going all in for Pogba. I thought that there were times when, particularly with Florentino trying to pinch Neymar, when the bond between coach and president might be frayed enough for Zidane to say, I'm off again. And he's, he's got that in his locker, not because he did it once after Kiev, but because he's a very independent-minded man who, if he's if a line in the sand that he's drawn, if that line is crossed, he's a, not a walker, but he's a guy who will do his own thing irrespective of what other people think or what the consequences are. So I hope that doesn't happen. I like having Zidane in La Liga. Um, thus far, I... I see big, big green shoots of recovery right across the Real Madrid team. I love the fact that he's trusting and bringing Vinicius through. Um, Rodrigo's impact was astonishing the other day and he looks as if he's got a much more direct nose for goal. Gareth Bale is rejuvenated again in the in the same case as Tony Cruz. And overall, although Madrid's side is a little bit imbalanced and, and there are flaws, and although the purchase of Jovic to me seems odd and Militao has masses to learn before he'll be a, a replacement for Varane or Ramos, masses. The, and the way that Kehler was treated, again, drives me just nuts. Um, good luck to Ariola. I very much hope that he can show what seem to be immense basketball skills when he comes for the crosses in the cup this season for Madrid, but Kehler's a loss. So at any rate, I think that it's a complicated combination of circumstances that left Zidane under pressure. And with that huge um, front page of Marca saying he's not untouchable anymore and then pretending that it was only the, the, the fans who felt that, Real Madrid need to learn to take the best out of Zidane because they, they might not have the world's greatest ever coach there. 
but they've got a fabulous football man. Somebody who I think has proved to be quite a good man-manager. And whether it's by skill, whether it's by destiny, kismet, a combination of all those things, he's a winner. It's time for a break and a cup of tea. See you soon. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And we're back. Back in the room. Back in the room. Back in the room. Back in the room. So let's start with yet another social question. And this one is from Julian, or it could be Julien Ball Rodriguez. Do you feel that Xavi becoming manager of Barca is a matter of when rather than if? Um, I say yes. I say yes for several reasons. First of all, albeit that he's trying to dictate a different timescale than certain Barca fans want, Julian. Xavi wants to be Barca manager. That is... A settled subject. I have talked to him about it. He has done interviews with Catalan Media about it. It will be an outrageous surprise if Xavi, within the next four or five years, isn't Barca manager. The second thing that's really important is that Barca as an institution needs him. Just specifically Xavi Hernandez, but people like him. In terms of the institution, they've lost their way. I say lost away not because I'm a Barca fan, but because I thoroughly believe in the brand of football that he was brought up to play and that he fundamentally, philosophically believes in to the same degree as Cruyff believed in it, to the same degree as Guardiola believes in it. Javi Hernandez is no less a deep believer in this religion of possession and position and intelligence and pulling the other team about, opening spaces and and basically applying everything that Johan Cruyff, God rest his soul, taught us, brought to us a beautiful version of the game. So because he wants it, and because Barcelona as an institution needs a guy like him back and soon, yes, I think it's a a question of uh, when. But there's more, because uh, Vitor Font, the presidential candidate who will stand in elections 
no later than summer 21, I think is a very, very strong candidate to win for a, a wide number of reasons. I think that there's a, amongst the fan base, particularly those with a vote, there's an understanding that this board has um, been successful in trophy terms, but that it has run down the philosophy that made Barca great over many years. And I think there's a similar, not identical, but similar appetite for Font's message as there was for Laporta's message back in 2002-03. And Vita Font is committed to having Xavi as his coach. Now, whether Xavi, I was speaking to a really close friend of Xavi's, let's say early August. And his point of view was, look, I don't know exactly what he'll do, but it will be very hard to get him out of Qatar before the World Cup, which is, if I don't count badly, it's 2022. So what does, if hypothetically, if Font wins the presidency, what does he do? An interim candidate for a year? No. I think that the pressure will come on Xavi very hard, that when Font as I think he will, wins the elections, then there'll be a really big decision for Xavi to make about, it's okay to say right now in 2019, you know, I've got this and that to do with my coaching badges, my coaching term. His coaching term is going very well uh, with his club in Qatar. He's had victories already. He's advancing in the Cups. If I'm not mistaken, he won the Super Cup. My point of view now is that although he'd like to rack up coaching time, a hard question is coming down the line. And they always say it's easy to say, well, I'm not going to do X before you've been asked. And then once you're asked, turning your club down, as Puyol did this week, didn't want to come back to be sporting director, whether that was the job itself or whether it was under Bartomeu, I'm not entirely sure. So in short, Julian, you know, apart from the most dire circumstances, I fail to see why Xavi would not be bustling as coach relatively soon. The interesting part is, irrespective of how good he proves to be, what material will he have? What will be left? Will there be pupils like Guardiola inherited Busquets and, and Pedro and was able to repatriate Piquet and inherited Messi? What will be there for Xavi when he eventually takes over at the club he loves? Now, I hope that's the right type of answer. I hope it was the right type of uh, themes that you were looking for, Julian. I bet I didn't surprise you at all. Now, finally, a question from our exceptional sponsors at Bet365. Who ask, with the squad he's got and the injuries that he's had, has Ole Gunnar Solskjaer been dealt a bad hand at Manchester United? My point of view on this is clear. I mean, no disrespect to Ed Woodward, in, um, particularly in the tasks that he's good at. But the bad hand that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been dealt is that Ed Woodward is not only his direct boss, but de facto is the director of football. I don't think it's feasible for any leading club, least of all one like Manchester United, where the demands upon them are exceptionally high, where they must finish, what brand of football they must play, which teams they must beat, which trophies they must win, at a time when they are trying to reinvent the wheel because they forgot to buy a spare wheel when they weren't aware that David Gill might leave at the same time as Alex Ferguson. The succession planning hasn't been very good. And it's my independent opinion that Edward Wood likes too much the position and salary and bonuses that go with where he is right now. And I think that having had a taste of pretty all-consuming power given to him by owners who think really highly of him because he continues to make the club perform in a financial way that rewards them 
that's a pretty symbiotic relationship. Is Ed Woodward the right man to help Ole Gunnar Solskjaer rebuild? I, I just think absolutely not. And people can talk blindly about the, you know, a blunderbuss way and saying they've spent X much money. Therefore, what's the problem? Well, it's not about that. It's about quality. For example, Sarabia at Sevilla was an identicate Manchester United footballer. One with the wit, the pace, the technique and the creativity to get between lines, to, to combine little things he has, little things he has that Scholes had, little things that Mata has, to add goals, assists. That was a really easy purchase, as was the purchase of Vissan Ben Yedder. Two players who United fans might not have thought were box office, premium blue ribbon names, but who in squad terms would have added a shitload of goals and assists, and wit, and competitiveness, and focus on pushing other players who wanted a first-team place back into competitive mode. I just think that for United to have missed those two players who could have played off each other, who really fully understand each other, who would have helped each other to bed in, and it would have cost them a fraction of what United generally pay, well, it, it just... At the root of Bet365's question has to be, I think they're hinting at, is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer going to prove to be the right man or not? Will he be a good coach? Will he be a good enough coach for Manchester United? Right now, that's brutally hard to say. The results, away results particularly, since that victory in Paris, have not been good. From the performances I see, they're underpunching where I thought they might be at. I think there's sufficient talent for United to be very competitive for the top four this season. And it isn't that is one of my predictions where people can legitimately be looking at it and saying, what were you on at the time? I haven't fully changed my mind. And because I can't see the training ground, I'm unclear yet as to whether Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to prove to be a brilliant coach or not. One of the things that the question alludes to that I agree with is that there are many, many weather elements flying right in his face right now. The injuries, the lack of key signings, key quality signings in certain positions, and the fact that it is there, there is not now a hungry, we-must-be-first-in-everything-all-the-time attitude at Manchester United like there was under Sir Alex Ferguson. And to ask Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to correct the team's performances and install a Ferguson-esque attitude, ethic, at every level of Manchester United on his own against a background of owners and a club leader like Woodward, whereby it's about making money and it's about qualifying for the Champions League. United have adopted the same type of philosophy that damaged Wenger legacy so much and which gradually ate away at Arsenal's ability to be competitive competitive not to compete but to be competitive wins you can't guarantee a competitive ethos that is branded on every single employee from those that do the washing right up to those who score the goals that is something that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer cannot impose on his own when the messages from the top are, at best, mixed. What kind of hand has he been dealt? Not good enough. That's what kind of hand. Time for Ed Woodward to appoint the right man, not a puppet, 
as a director of football, somebody who gives the manager the chance of an understanding of football, forward planning and the market. Something that Ed Woodward is less talented at than the things he patently does very well. Look, for the moment, for this Q&A, that's all, folks. Thank you again for your support. Thanks for being there. Thanks for the feedback you give us. If there are things you disagree with, agree with, points you want to make, use Twitter, use Patreon, tell friends, join in. Let's make this a community. Speak to you again next month. Column coming soon. Enjoy the big interview. Enjoy your football. (laughs) 